Good morning, men. I'm Ken Pierpont. It's time for Ken Pierpont's podcast for men. For lack of a better title, I'm still looking to hear from people with a better title. The working title is Ken Pierpont's podcast for men. We've been talking about what does it mean to be a man. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're, we've, we've been going through the Bible, starting with the book of Genesis. And the, the first chapter of Genesis teaches us that a man is a lord of the earth. He was created to take dominion and to, to exercise God's dominion in the area that he's been given responsibility for. And that's called his jurisdiction. If you're a man, you have things that you're responsible for. Jobs and possessions, even even people have responsibilities towards people. And these are your jurisdiction. And that's Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 26. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. He said male and, and female. Men and women are together co-regions over God's earth. Anyway, you can back uh, the podcast up to uh, episode number one after the introduction and hear about that. Then you move to Genesis chapter 2, and that you see within this jurisdiction, so he's a, he is a lord of the earth, but within that jurisdiction where he's taken dominion. He is a husbandman. He's a farmer. He makes things grow. He makes life flourish. He contributes to life. And that's in Genesis chapter 2. He put him in the garden, uh, to the scriptures say, uh, to till it and to keep it. And, uh, and then uh, that would be in verse 15 of Genesis chapter 2. And, and that brings us today to the third aspect of biblical masculinity. Like, what does it mean to be a man? It means that you, if you're a man, you're a lord of the earth, you're a husbandman. And in chapter 3 you have a, of Genesis, you have a, a record of the, the fall of man, mankind's descent into sin and rebellion against God. And the, the, the enemy visits the garden, if you will. And in chapter 3 uh, and verse 14, uh, Genesis says, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock, above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. In chapter uh, 3 and verse 8, it says, the, They heard the sound of the Lord God walk in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They disobeyed God. They they did what Satan suggested. They believed the lie. They disobeyed God, and then they were cursed. And mankind has been cursed after them because of that. If you read the rest of Scripture, you see that. So what you have is is in Genesis chapter three, you see that a man is is has to fight against sin. He has to deliver himself and his loved ones, obviously through. God through Christ, 
and God's ways. He has to be good at resisting evil. So Genesis chapter 1, a man is the Lord of the earth. Genesis chapter 2, a man is a husbandman farmer, makes things grow, life flourish. Genesis chapter 3, a man is a savior. Uh, a, a man is a danger to evil. So a man, uh, this aspect of biblical masculinity teaches us that a man has to have an instinct to fight against evil. And if he's going to resist evil in his world, he has to learn to resist evil first in his own life. And no man can do this alone. The whole grand unfolding drama of redemption in the Bible is God's story of how he has rescued humankind out of the results of their sin and rebellion against God through Christ's redemption. But a real man can't be a real man unless he's able to resist evil in his own life and in the lives of those that he's responsible for. In other words, he has to understand how that redemptive program works. He has to study that and experience that. So you, if you are a man, you have to resist evil. To be a man and make life flourish in your jurisdiction, you have to know how to fight against sin. In future podcasts, I'm going to do actually a series of, of podcasts. There's quite a few episodes where I will teach specific tools that a man can use to craft a holy life. And I'll teach specific weapons that a man can use to fight against sin because he needs to resist evil and he needs to help other people resist evil. He needs to be dangerous to the enemy and he needs to be able to wisely uh, oversee those within his jurisdiction in order to help them not become victims of evil. But again, he's got to start with his secret thought life. He's got to start with his secret temptations. He's got to start with his own besetting sins. He has to get good at using the weapons that God has given him to fight against Satan, demons, evil, the world, the flesh, the devil, his enemies. Um, and, and let me give you an example. Uh, I was we were in, we were in the Flint. And we were responsible to give direction to, to run the, this huge hotel, 16-story hotel, like four or 500 rooms in the hotel, and a large uh, number of people that were living all the time. We had 200 or 300 people uh, at times that were living in the hotel or in the, the, the old hotel uh, downtown in Flint. And um, every once in a while, something would happen that would concern us about the safety of the building. Somebody would get in the building that didn't belong in the building. And so we had part, one of our tenants in the building was an in-house kind of a thing. It was a small college program that, that the students lived in our building, men and women lived in, in the building. And one night someone got in the building that didn't belong in the building and slipped into a stairwell. And someone got on the intercom and they said, someone is in the building that doesn't belong in the building. And well, they called the men to come to sweep through the building to see to this guy that might be dangerous uh, was, was invited to leave the building. 
So they got on the intercom and they called for men and they they said uh, they need help sweeping through the building. And all of a sudden, the men started showing up in the lobby. They came down the stairs and down the elevator and from wherever they were, they came they came sweeping in, and, and each one of them was armed with some kind of weapon. Uh, there were golf clubs and baseball bats. There were table legs, Bambi bats, chairs. Here was an assembly of very dangerous guys ready to resist evil, or guys that were at least trying to look dangerous. And yeah, maybe it seems like we're posing sometimes, but the evil is going to get real for all of us. It's going to get very real for all of those that we love. And who in the world resists evil? As I'm preparing this podcast, it uh, was the day before yesterday, when an evil person broke into a Christian school down in Nashville and took the lives of six innocent people, but only six. Why? Because a strong man showed up and took control of that environment and rushed into the evil to resist the evil and eliminated the threat. And the interesting thing about this particular incident is it's all recorded on a police officer's body cam. Here's a man who immediately responds when there's danger and he rushes as fast as he can wisely do it directly into the danger and eliminates the evil. He, he neutralizes the evil. And um, he's a, a contemporary example of, of what a man sh- uh, how a man should respond to evil. He should, this man knew how to use his weapons. This man knew how to communicate with others. This man obviously was trained and he was courageous, and he was wise, and he was willing to press into evil. And, and that's wise men don't just understand this, that there, is, that there are physical dangers in the world or, or financial dangers in the world or, or dangers to our career. They understand that there are spiritual dangers in the world. They understand that the way the world is organized, that the that a third of the angels are fallen and have become demons, and that Satan oversees demons, and that, that we have in the world, we have the world system, which is evil, we have the flesh, which has a bent toward evil, the part of us that has indwelling sin, sin within us that's bent toward evil. And we have demonic forces that are at work in our world. And God's plan is for men real men, spiritually men, spiritually strong, spiritually dangerous savior men to resist that evil. So when you think savior, and this is the third aspect of biblical masculinity, Lord of the earth, husbandman, savior. Genesis 1, Lord of the earth. Genesis 2, husbandman. Genesis 3, savior. Genesis 1, you have a jurisdiction. Genesis 2, you're to make life flourish within that jurisdiction. Genesis 3, you are, in order to make life flourish, you have to resist evil. You have to neutralize evil. And how do you do that? Let me suggest before we move away from this, and we'll get, we'll come back to this, we'll circle back in later podcasts and give a deep teaching with a lot of scripture about this, but let me just suggest this 
one of the most powerful ways that man resists evil. Obviously, it is through the work, the cross of Christ, the, the righteousness of Christ, and Christ's death on our behalf and resurrection and life in us. It is through the truth that the, that is the message of the Bible, through the redemptive work of Jesus, that we are able to, re, to neutralize evil within ourselves, that like God does, and that we're able to resist evil outside. But there are also biblical techniques, if you will, or skills that men have to learn. And let me give you an example of one. The way the evil one works, according to John chapter 8 and verse 44, Jesus said the evil one that he was a liar. He was a murderer and he's a liar. In other words, in order to, he lies in order to snuff out life wherever he can. To murder, to, comes to the thief comes to kill, to steal, to destroy. Satan, his demons in the world are interested in snuffing out life wherever they find it, don't matter who, women, children, they don't care who. They want to destroy life wherever they find it. They want to distort life wherever they find it. They want to take what's not theirs. Uh, They want to damage beyond usefulness what doesn't belong to them. If they can, they want to kill people and drag them into hell. But in between them and their purpose stands men, men who are spiritually strong, who are armed and dangerous, who are saviors, who are ready. Now, now the way Satan works is through lies. Again, he's a murderer, but he murders by lying. And so he tells people things that aren't quite true. The world is full of lies. The devil is full of lies. We lie to ourselves out of our own flesh. And so a man, one of the things a man does is he does what I call, he does the heavy lifting. And the heavy lifting is to identify the lies that he's believing and identify the lies that his loved ones or those within his jurisdiction are believing. So a wise man identifies those lies, recognizes something that's not true or that's half true, that has a Bible verse stuck to it, but it but it's not fully true. He recognizes that. Then he studies the scripture carefully and becomes skilled at studying scripture until he finds the the truth from God's word, which generally dawns on his soul in a very powerful way. And in maybe in his daily time in the word, perhaps in sitting under the teaching of God's word or, or like listening to stuff like this, but a passage stands out to him. And then he takes that truth and he resists the evil with truth. He, he, meditates on that truth and that's why he's blessed like psalm 1 psalm 19 psalm 1 time 119 repeatedly say a godly man is a man who is saturated his spirit with god's word he is engrafted like james says he's engrafted god's word into the deepest part of him into his soul and so he responds to danger with truth from god he is able then to recognize lies and speak truth to himself, meditate on truth. And this is how he overcomes evil. And then within his jurisdiction, he's able to recognize lies when people are believing them. And so when he, when he sees those things that aren't true, then he comes up with creative ways to help enlighten people.
or to teach people, to deliver people from the effects of the lies that they're believing. And so you can see how important it is for a man to be a savior. He has to be saved. He has to be delivered from his own sin. He has to know how to recognize lies when he hears them. He has to recognize the lies in the hearts and minds of the people that he's responsible for. And he has to be able to come up with creative ways to get them into light, to enlighten them uh, about the danger and the things that they believe. You know, you, you see this, interestingly, you, you see this in the life of, of Job, um, the, of all the things that are said about Job. Of course, Job was a man, he was a husband, and he was a father. And the scriptures say that uh, Job would rise up every morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of his children because Job said it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And the Bible says this is something Job did continually. So it was Job's practice to rise up in the morning to bring his wife and children before God, as his grandchildren, before God in case they had believed something in their hearts that wasn't true and they'd cursed gods in their hearts. He prayed, he interceded for them. So that's one one creative way to help deliver the people in your life from the damage of believing a lie is to intercede for them, is to be a man of prayer, is to faithfully and regularly, continually, like Job did daily, pray for them. Just one. But there are other creative ways. For instance, a son that's believing something wrong. You could invite him to, to breakfast. You could um, go shooting with him. You could take him on a weekend away or take him on a hunt. I'm doing a funeral on Sunday for a man in our church who was a, 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 an Air Force officer, and he was a pilot in Vietnam. And he had a little brother. I talked to his brother. Uh, after he died, we sat at the table in his house, and I talked to his younger brother. His younger brother was 16 years his junior, and he wept when he talked about his older brother. He said they were very close, and he said there was a specific time when that, when that, when his older brother began to cultivate his relationship with his younger brother. He said it was when his brother was stationed in Hawaii, and, and his brother who died, Merle is the man's name, who passed, who's who's with the Lord now, he called, he got a hold of his little brother and he flew him to Hawaii to spend time with him. And then when he got out there, rather than just kind of carrying on and partying and, and enjoying the weather and all that, they, they would go to the beach, they would go to the bay and over, watching the sun set over the water, Merle would talk to his younger brother and would teach him, his brother said, he taught me about life. He just taught me about life. Well, imagine this. You have a a guy in his early 30s. His little brother's 14. He's flown him. He's kind of a war hero. He's uh, been through the Vietnam War as a pilot. He's come home now. He's stationed in Hawaii. He pays his brother's way to come to Hawaii. Then he spends time with him, not carrying on, not partying, not doing irresponsible things, but teaching him. He says, his brother Merle said, you know, he taught me things like the importance of following the Lord. And the importance of marrying in the faith, a, good, a, a woman who, tr- who loves the Lord. He just taught me what I needed to know. And he just, and again, Merle's younger brother just wept when he told him this. You know, so Merle had been taught by the government how to fly an airplane, how to resist evil physically. 
But he'd been taught by his mother and father, uh, dairy farmers in Michigan, how to resist evil spiritually and how to pass that truth on to his brother. And after he died, his brother wept and talked about it. That's kind of what we're talking about. Who in your life is, are, is somebody that you're responsible for? Who in your life do you answer to God for? Who looks to you uh, for wisdom and for deliverance? They're within your jurisdiction. You want to make life flourish the way that you make life flourish. One of the ways that you make things grow in their little life or in your wife or in your son or your daughter is you identify lies. You become an expert at that and become an expert at recognizing just the right biblical truth to neutralize that lie. And then you strategically place that truth into play and repeatedly and creatively replace that truth into play in order to deliver people from evil. So how are you doing? Are you allowing evil into your home and into your life and into your mind and into your spirit and into your soul? Or are you a savior? Are you dangerous? Are you resisting evil? I mean, think... So like think a little bit when we when you think about this, I kind of like to have the idea of like Braveheart. Uh, the, the, the word, the name Joshua in the Old Testament is the name Yeshua, is the name Jesus in the New Testament. It means deliverer, like Braveheart, like cavalry rides in at the end and then sweeps in and delivers the, the victim from evil. That's what a man should do spiritually, and that's what a man should be spiritually and if I know you, I'm praying for you that you w- can and will do that, that God will make you a strong man that's skilled at resisting evil. And so there it is, be a man, be a Lord of the earth, be a, a husbandman, farmer, make stuff grow, and be a danger to evil, be a savior like Jesus was a savior. Next time, we'll talk about the fourth aspect of godly masculinity, the fourth thing. What does it mean to be a man? And we'll jump forward into a book written in the scriptures just for men. It's a book for men in the scriptures. What book is that? Give that some thought. Talk to you next time.